1: Hello, I'm Martin Bayfield and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. We're on the road yet again with this week's pod coming from Market Harborough Rugby Club. I'm joined by local hero. He's a hero everywhere, of course, isn't he? Ben Kay, to preview the weekend's Aviva Premiership action. And we'll also be getting our teeth stuck into as many of the big subjects that have cropped up through the week as we possibly can. But before we get going with the pod, here's a sneak peek at what is coming up. Well, Newcastle have had a fantastic start to the season. We'll be hearing from their head honcho, Dean Richards, and his skipper, Mark Wilson. They both spoke to Nick Mullins. People like Toby, Maxime Lamar, Josh Modavec, these sort of guys have come
3: in and their expectations are that, you know, they, that they don't like failure and they expect things to be done to, at a far greater level than they've probably been done before.
1: And now Eakin caught up with the London Irish coaching duo Nick Kennedy and Paul Hodgson. We love the team, we you know, Boys have played 250 games for the club and you sort of uh,
2: it means an awful lot to you but you know I've, I've seen a lot of ex players just go on and become coaches at, at their teams and you know you can't just rest with that as just passion is not enough you know you need to constantly work at becoming better at what you do your, your relationships with the players um, watch as, as much rugby as possible and and learn from those guys above you know your Brenda Venters, Kevin Barron comes in try and learn as much as possible so so we can be as good as we can be
1: so all that's come, but it is time to start talking. And we're at Market Harbour Rugby Club, which is superbly located midway between my house and Ben Kay's house. Unfortunately, it's just over the Leicester border into Leicestershire. Good for you. I'm not going to say anything. And Ben, you are going to get to know this club a lot better over the coming weeks. Yeah, I can't believe
4: they let you over the border so easily, base, but now (laughs) now we've got you, we might steal your car and uh, kick you back to walk home. Um, Yeah, this is uh, my local uh, rugby club and uh, I've got a nine-year-old son who told me he wanted to take up mini rugby, so I've been bringing him down here the last few weeks on a Sunday morning when I haven't been on BT duty and uh, I did my first coaching session with him this week, so that was nice.
1: Tell me, is it as bad as it looks? Is it like herding cats?
4: Um, yes, it is. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun as well. And, and um, you know, it makes you remember that a lot of your happiest memories growing up are uh, from mini rugby. And, and my two best friends uh, growing up were, were guys that I started at mini rugby with at about the age of six or seven. So um, it's, it's good to see the boys uh, and girls back out there. And you enjoying it? I am, yeah. Um, the, you know, it, it's quite a challenge at the moment because... Uh, we're, we're introducing them to contact for the first time. And um, so it's all about making sure they do everything right to be as safe as possible, which is obviously uh, in the news at the moment. Um, but it's, it's really interesting uh, actually seeing the quality of the coaching that they're getting from the dads that give up their time every Sunday morning. But they're not just going out there thinking they know what they're doing. They've, they've had really good direction
1: from the RFU. Okay, that was brilliantly done because we are going to talk about... Contact, And it is something which has really, really come to the fore this week, um, headed up by a lady, Professor Alison Pollock, who, along with some other... Say Pollock. I said Pollock. Yeah, definitely said Pollock, say. who, along with other um, medical colleagues of hers, are uh, saying that contact in for rugby in schools should be abolished until the kids are, what, 18 years of age. Quite understandably, there's been a big reaction to that. What, what did you, how did you react when you first heard that that headline? I, probably
4: uh, we've got to be careful that we don't react in the same way that we're thinking that Alison Pollock and her colleagues are, are reacting in that something happens and, and, and you have such an attachment to one way of thinking that you can't see the other side of the arguments. Um, I'm a father, as I've just said, and if there was anything that I thought was bad for my son um, or my daughter, if she, she wants to come down and play, I'd be concerned about that. Um, I think the big danger with stories like this, if there is not enough evidence and I haven't seen enough evidence produced by, um, and you say they're medical experts, I hate the way the news reporters are all saying experts warn. They're not necessarily experts in this field. Um, they're academics. And it has come about because her son got injured playing rugby and then she's tried to research um, into the the instances. But there isn't the weight of evidence. Now, it's being portrayed that because she's an expert, so-called expert, we we should listen to her and everyone should listen to her. Um, There isn't that weight of information. If you listen to a lot of the other experts, there was a consultant paediatrician who actually I would listen to the most who, who said that if you look at the people that are coming into His hospital, uh, the majority of it for children's injuries are from accidents and unstructured play. The instances of rugby injuries are no different to any other structured sport and are a minority of what they're dealing with. So he was actually saying it's much safer for for them to be doing a structured sport, particularly up to a certain age, of any capacity rather than wrestling with each other or falling out of a tree because they've run off and climbed up a tree they shouldn't have been doing because that or, or even falling down the stairs. You know, my, my son broke his arm a couple of years ago. He fell down the stairs, officer, honestly. Don't <laughs> <laughs> <But,
1: laughs> make it sound sinister. Sound really creepy. <laughs> but but we're, 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 we're sat in the Kibworth bar here. We can look out onto the pictures at Market, market Harborough. Market Harbour bar. No, it says Oh, sorry, I see what you mean in the actual the kibble's kibble's bar. bar. The Kibworth ah, right. Lounge, I believe yes. it is. It's very plush. it is, too. And we've just seen one of the youth teams run by. They've all gawped in a, a, the window. They recognise you. They're wondering who on earth the other person is. And they've gone out training. The coaches are there. There's a, there's a sign up in the main bar about um, recognising concussion and the graduated return to play. People take it seriously, don't they? I mean... It, Mums will wince when they watch their kids first play rugby.
4: And the danger that rugby has got, because we are so on a heightened state of alert about potential dangers of concussion, particularly in the elite game, we are almost creating a problem for ourselves that we're we're constantly talking about it, which is a, a good thing. But also it means that whereas in the past, in the adult game, you might have got a knock that maybe made you feel a little bit dizzy you'd carry on and you'd never talk about it to anyone because, well, I'm fine now. That is now being reported as a, as a concussion. That will inevitably happen at schools. If, if someone gets a, a bang in the playground, they might not think to go and tell their teacher that they're feeling dizzy. But if they get... If they obviously get a bang when they're playing rugby, the teacher's going to be all over it to make sure right now you need to leave the field. So we are going to get more cases of reported concussions. It doesn't mean we're getting more concussions on the rugby field than we are in any other sense. So we have to be careful that we don't feed statistics and, and, and think of these statistics of reported instances of concussions and, and not consider that actually in the past or in other fields, in other games, people are perhaps getting concussed and not reporting it. Now, one of the things in, in, in Alison Pollock's report was a comparison of uh, concussions in rugby. And it didn't say for what age group. It was purely in rugby to the NFL or ice hockey. Well, one of the big problems that the NFL has had was no one was reporting that they were having concussions or sub-concussive
1: blows that might have caused problems in the future. And what, what would we look at the, the comments that Alison Pollock makes, the good thing, I guess, Ben, is that It makes us look again at our processes and what we're doing. Um, And I know that when I played rugby as a kid and when I played most of my senior rugby, well, for all my senior career, there was no head injury protocols. Without a doubt, I would have had four or five, maybe six bangs to the head a season, which in today's age would have said, you need an HIA. I may have passed the HIA, but we need the HIA. So now coaches, referees, parents, people are alert to this now. They are looking at it. So you're right in saying that we're going to have more instances, but we're on a heightened, more heightened state of alert and, and it's going to be picked up easier. And so it's good that Alison Pollock is saying it, but of course we can now counter that argument and by the, saying... The you know, game
4: is undoubtedly safer than it was. And I mentioned about unstructured play and kids wrestling and, you know, falling over, banging heads and things. But from a structured point of view, I never got taught how to fall over when I was nine years old or whatever. My son now, the first thing they did in their contact lesson was for the first contact was you fall on your knees first, then your hip and then your shoulder. And they're learning how to fall properly. The tackling exactly the the same. They, they say this cheek to th- cheek, don't they? The, yeah. the, make sure you get your head on the right side. The the ring of steel, wrap your arms around. They're being taught every single and in, in such a slow uh, w- environment that it that it's it's just becoming second nature to them which which we never had growing up the, the one of the uh, things that was quoted today was the british uh, journal of sports medicine that categorically said there is not a case to answer for under 15 year olds of it being any more dangerous Uh, than any other team sport because the speeds that they're running at and um, just the the general play there's there's no uh, accelerated danger from playing rugby to any other sport so if you're not teaching those children when you have those set of circumstances it's no different to any other sport when they get to 18 you're suddenly coming across people that want to do contact rugby or have wanted to do it for a long time they've probably been off wrestling with each other uh, at school in the playgrounds instead but who now don't know how to fall properly it's not second nature it's a lot more difficult to learn a skill at 18 than it is at 9 or 13 or whatever and and we're almost creating more problems
1: yeah that's there's that perception isn't there there's that a child learns how to react to something without realizing it's about to happen they know that that big tackle's coming in a big hit going into contact How do you stand on some of the arguments that people come up and say, Okay, well, we need to categorise the players down to weight rather than age?
4: I'd like to see more evidence on that, because I know New Zealand's often cited, but I know in certain parts they've got rid of that experiment. Um, Remember that the likes of Shane Williams has grown up being so good at avoiding contact because he's smaller than blokes that that, that he's playing with, and he's found a different way of doing it. You know, the brain is not to do with the size you are. Your brain will react, however. So, it, if you've got, if you're a smaller kid, you, you could. Equally, have just as big a uh, a bang to your brain as you fall and hit the floor, regardless of who you're playing with, or you could have just as big a bang as your head hits the knee of uh, of of whoever. So, I think we just need to make sure that that's not one of those things where it seems like a good idea, but actually, in reality, there's no evidence to suggest that it's any better. Where there might be a benefit is in not scaring mums and dads and kids away from playing a sport because if they we've seen those internet clips of some huge kid running through every time he gets the ball. Yeah. Well, there's a case for that, that actually is it doing him any good because he's not learning how to sidestep because he doesn't need to. And is it doing the kids that can't tackle him any good because it's knocking their confidence and they're thinking, well, it's not really a sport for me. So I'm not sure medically it makes any difference but it might make a difference psychologically, but you have to weigh up the, the negatives of it that actually part of the fun of rugby is that it's a, a sport for all shapes and sizes. Yeah, and the other thing
1: I guess as well, and it may have been for you when you were a kid, you would have been a big lump when you were a kid, I was tall, but if we looked at my weight, yes, I was heavier than the guys I played with, but if they'd bumped me up to, to the age group where I had, was comparable weight, there's no way I would have had the strength no, to cope with those guys. Yeah. I would have been playing as a 12 year old. I've been playing with 15, 16 year olds. Yeah. Well, they would have broken me in
4: half, strength-wise. Yeah. Absolutely. And mentally dominated yeah. you a little bit as well. You know, there's and a, they've been a, playing the game longer. It's that maturity of, you know, the kids from the year above. I wouldn't want to mess with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that, isn't it? So, yeah. There's a there's a there's a lot to be done on it. Um, but just you know, going back to to the, to this report. What I don't like about it is the fact that it's been re- released as this is the gospel, not there needs to be more research done on this, which is wrong, because you cannot you cannot suggest that something should be banned if you can't back it up with, uh, with proper evidence.
1: Yeah, we want to keep them safe. But you know, coming back to your son, he's just starting out first contact. I would imagine him and his mates are loving it, aren't they? They are. I'll, I'll qualify
4: that with... There were a couple of tears a couple of kids banging hands banging fingers you know a stud on stud on the leg or or whatever but that's all part of the learning process that you know when certain things happen you get hurt and so let's try and not not make them happen you also you know you do get accustomed to being slightly tougher because you're sort of banging into people but it's what you were saying about realizing how you're falling isn't isn't going to hurt me But I guarantee the majority of them will all come back next week and the week after and the week after. And, you know, those tears were not a serious injury. It was just getting used to something new.
1: Yeah. Well, we, we will keep our eye on how this one develops. It's a big one, and we mustn't, as rugby former rugby players and, and pundits, presenters, anyone involved in rugby, got to keep a, a, a careful eye on this one, how it develops. But we talk about the like lads getting injured. It's not just the nine-year-olds and the ten-year-olds who are picking up injuries; it's the big, ugly professional rugby players picking up injuries. And you and cannot sadly,
4: call Billy Vanopolder ugly. I, I <laughs> think no, 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 but in you a manly way. Said, you said it, it's ugly on, in a manly way.
1: Okay, all it's right. Sorry, Billy. Um, we, uh, again, we all winced and our hearts went out to him as down went Billy again with another injury. Um, and, of course, he didn't tour with the Lions because of a shoulder operation that he had to have at the end of last season. And he has been quite vocal, as have other players been quite vocal about, please don't grind us into the ground. Don't burn us out with a, with one eye on um, this supposed longer season, more games. Um This is something which is starting to bubble and starting to to build up a a head of steam. What are your views on that? Uh, Views are very sorry
4: for Billy. Um, Again, this is just conjecture, but my personal thoughts are it seems that players coming back from injury seem more susceptible to being re-injured. Obviously, Manu has, but it's not just him. I I know in my own career, I, I tended to get injuries in, in the first couple of games back from a from a long layoff. So uh, maybe that's something that, that needs looking at a little bit. I don't think necessarily you could cast iron say that this Billy Von Impala injury is down to him being overplayed because, as you said, he's had some time away from the game recovering from injury. Um, but the toll on players is slightly getting bigger though I think there always has been I think they're better managed off the field than, the, than we were certainly at the beginning of my career when you would be flogged in training and then flogged on the pitch but as a result the players are now more powerful and so there is that element extra element of danger in the collisions um, sh- the whole premiership rugby uh, debate is, is really interesting so I spoke to um, Tom Youngs uh, today who are, I love speaking to Tom Youngs because he is very down-to-earth and and can see things from from both sides. I said, what do you think of the longer season? He said, well, the problem is no one from Premiership Rugby has talked to the players. So all this hoo-ha in the media saying, you know, the the talk of strikes and, and Billy saying this all those guys have heard is your season's getting longer and they're getting that probably at the end of last season when they're feeling a bit tired anyway and they're thinking, we couldn't go on for another month. That's going to be ridiculous. Now, from the Premiership rugby side, if this is a reason to make the season longer, to look after the players better during the season, to give them more time mid-season to recover, then... Perhaps that might be a solution, um, but you have to—you can't just throw that comment out there and st- stay silent and expect the players not not to react in the way that they have done. I don't think they will go on strike. Um, but sometimes, as a player, that's your last option. We've heard England teams, England teams, I've been involved with threatening to strike before. Yeah, you
1: were a militant because, actually. well, yeah, you, know, you
4: really were. Power to the people, fist in the <laughs> air, you know. But um, sometimes that's your only option, and, and the RFU at the time under Francis Baron were, were terrible at it because they would take you right up to the week of the game without negotiating, knowing that you had to play and your only recourse is to, to say, well, we're not going to play. We'll go on strike. And then suddenly the sponsors will be upset. And and then eventually you come to an agreement. So um, look, if the players aren't happy, they could threaten to strike. The other side of the coin from a sort of club's perspective is the salary cap's gone up quite a lot recently and their squads have reduced. So the players are taking too much money. Now, they can probably see that as a whole, but individually, if you're going to go to them and say, "Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll knock a few of your games off, but we're going to slash you, you, you your salary," that that becomes a tougher thing to accept from a player's point of view. Now, Billy might have said in his interview, "I'd be prepared to get a bit less money," but will a player that's on a quarter of his wages go, "Yeah, yeah, knock my my money down a little bit?" I'm not sure. I'm not no, so sure because
1: a longer season, if it, if it gives you if it's got built-in rest periods, that's a good thing, but there's also Part of us we're thinking, hang on. Less the of clubs, a season. <laughs> yeah, the clubs, the clubs, they only make money when something is happening in their club. So they're not going to want to shut down for two or three no. weeks with no revenue coming through the club. So you would imagine the but clubs that's, themselves that's say, look, where, we want more games. So That's
4: where it becomes... A th- I, I don't think they will. I don't think the players, I don't think the clubs will because I think the clubs... The clubs are a, a, a state where their biggest concern is when they don't have enough fit bodies to take the field and they feel that they've spent an awful lot of money and, you know, look at a Leicester perspective, an awful lot of money on their centre pairing last year. Who didn't take the field? No. And it still
1: hasn't played together, has it, really? Well, exactly. For any
4: length of time. So I think that the clubs would be reticent about adding any more games in but they've got to communicate this way and and, and 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 you know, Premiership rugby
1: have to speak to the players a bit more. So I mean Billy has got a book out, so we wonder whether possibly Wrecking Ball. Yeah, Wrecking 1499 Ball fourteen ninety nine or <laughs> book <laughs> shops. All good bookshops online, whatever it needs to be. Um so you can imagine why he's been quite vocal. But he's he's great fun, Billy, isn't well, he? But Billy, he's very he's the, very the he's very honest and Billy very open.
4: Is he says it how he sees yeah, it. Yeah, exactly.
1: And he says
4: he says it how he sees it on that day as well. So you know, it might be different in a couple of weeks' time. But he is he is a very engaging bloke and and great for the sport. In a sport or a sporting landscape where we moan that there aren't enough characters, people like Billy being able to say that that sort of thing is, is absolutely right. And and the the players do need a voice. And and yeah, you know, the RPA to have a role in that. And and. Damien hopley has been quite vocal on the subject, so um, yeah, it's it's all part of the negotiation.
1: Yeah, a bit of communication, I guess the players would appreciate that, and I'm sure Premiership Rugby, when they have something to say, will say it. Um, well, we've 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 hit some big old meaty subjects there. Let's look back though at um, at what's happened in the Premiership because I can't remember a Premiership like this, can you, Ben? That, that has been so difficult to call and so dramatic in the in the opening weeks. No.
4: Um, well, we've never had a premiership where you've gone into round four with no one on hundred percent victories. So that proves that we've never had a, a season like this. Um, but some of the results are, are really quite surprising. Not just who wins and who loses, but the you know, the big margin that extra thrashing wasps last week. You know, no one really expected a lot of people would have expected extra to win, but not by that margin. Um just as you can't. I mean, we've, we've got this new predictor game, haven't we? btsport.com forward slash forward predictor. Slash predictor. Well done. Uh, On message, man. I'm impressed with that. Uh, but where us pundits have to pick who's going to win because we're obviously the experts and we know, and it's making us look like right Charlie's, <laughs> isn't it?
1: <laughs> let's, let's go through round four. We were down at Gloucester for Worcester. Worcester went there, still hadn't picked up a not just a win, hadn't picked up a point. And are we going to see this from Gloucester? They'll be good at King's home, but on the road they're going to struggle. Well, they won that I, one, what, 24-19? Yeah, they, they just won it from a position where they should
4: have absolutely... Started. I, the, the Gloucester fans, I genuinely feel sorry for because they have more swings in emotion, I think, than than any other sets of fans. One week it's brilliant, and the next week they, 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 they look like they're on track. They, they've had... Um, times when they haven't started well but they've come back really well at the end like the Leicester game away from home they think well if we can just get our start sorted they fly out the blocks against Worcester we think they are going to smash this easily get the bonus point and then hit the brakes Worcester come back and they're chewing their fingernails at the end of the game to see whether they're even going to get the victory so I'm impressed with Ackerman I think he's having a good a good influence on the place but they just need some consistency yeah
1: I mean, the highlight from that game was Billy Twelvetrees' try, I and mean, that was a ah, bit special. If
4: that's not try of the season, we're in for a treat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. Henry Trinder's break, you know, the, the multiple involvements, and that's what we are seeing more attacking rugby. Whether it's the law changes or whatever, but we are seeing more attacking rugby, and if we get tries like that one.
1: Room for a yeah, we we had the the, the European launch earlier today, and chatting to some of the DORs and head coaches, they were saying now what they've noticed: ball in game time is up quite considerably. So well, a lot of really a lot of teams aren't
4: kicking off the field, yeah. are they? Um, we noticed that. I think Exeter uh, this season, of all their kicks, only 12% have been off the field. Uh, they want to keep the ball on the field and get their line uh, their line um, chase sorted. Uh, but as a result, we're seeing more counter-attacking. The fact that um, you, you've got more chance of winning the ball at your own breakdown because of the new ruck laws means that fullbacks now are given a bit more licence to go themselves. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's more ball-in-play time and as
1: a result, more fatigue and more opportunities to be exploited. For what it's worth, my favourite law change, and we've seen it. In action a few times is. <laughs> <Sorry>. is, is <laughs> I don't even want to know what has just gone through your mind. I
4: nearly got I, set. I don't even want to know what
1: has gone through your mind. K is the uh, not being able to force the ball into touch from a kick. Oh, rugby, I, law. It, rugby <laughs> law. Rugby oh, law. Rugby right. law. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not being able to put Mind on the podcast, Sorry. okay. And not allow the and to drag the ball into the goal. Anyway, we've lost that one. So let's move on. It's a good law. Take it from me. It. It's a very good law. And, and and well done. Not as good as that other one. I've, I, we will discuss that in another podcast yeah. on another show to be broadcast after midnight. Um, Newcastle going great guns. Um, and when you consider they were out in Philadelphia on a Sunday, um, this sounds like it's going to be a Craig David song. Um, <laughs> and uh, and they're winning. And they're winning on a Saturday. Um, what do they do on a sunday i don't even want to know um that's a big result to beat bath it is yeah you put it in
4: that context it's big they flew out to a lead they then got well over so they're 19 points up yeah so they obviously started really well and then they took the foot off the gas or bath came back into it flew past them and we all thought oh there we go they've 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 emptied um, themselves in the first twenty minutes to prove that they're not not jet lagged, and I thought don't laugh at that expression, <laughs> that would that would put anyone off. I need, I, <laughs> I actually I actually changed from saying emptied their loads because I thought you'd laugh uh, emptied the loads and, and changed to emptied themselves. Oh so
1: dear, we were doing so well. We were carry
4: on. Oh, podcasting at its best. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> And I thought they're, they're going struggle, to um, struggle to get back into this. So it just shows the mental resilience, the confidence that they have. Uh, they're flying. I mean, a lot of those players would be used to this time of the year going, oh dear, the other teams are getting away from us. We're, we're in a, a fight again. Now they're thinking, well, actually we should be getting top six. And, and you look at the quality that they've got in that squad. They still haven't got Toby Flood back. No. Um, but... Everyone else, everyone has stepped up. I think a special mention to Callum Green. I I think he has developed, he's a guy I played with when he he was obviously very, very young at at Tigers. Um, And he went, Dean took him up to to Newcastle and he is one of the best line out forwards, defensive line out forwards in in the Premiership. Um, His work rate's really good, but they've got some real exciting talent that can open up defences in that team. Uh, allied with some traditional Newcastle grit, Mark Wilson. Um, yeah. in, I uh, mean, well, he went over for, that, for the winning yeah. try, didn't he? Yeah. Um,
1: and Dino's doing it again. He's, you know, they're two points, were well, they two points off top spot? They've got the same win loss record as the, as the top teams. Um, and he's putting together another strong squad. He did is. it when he and got and hold of Harlequins. And, and it's doing it massive to give Dave
4: Waldra that responsibility of the bump up to the head coach. He's obviously running the, the, the game plan. Uh, on that pitch which suits you know Dave Walders sort of allows them to play slightly more expansively you know it it was a a thought wasn't it when they put that pitch in or some of those games that they used to you know get an arm wrestle win when you you know teams go up there on a wet and windy night well actually they want bonus points now they're playing the style of rugby to get bonus points at home and it's still a
1: place that's a tough place to go because of the length of journey so um that they're they're up where they should be. Weird connection here. European champions. All the finals are in Spain for this season. But the next season, they're in Newcastle. Yeah. All the European finals yeah. for the World Cup. I know. Why wouldn't you go to Newcastle instead of Bilbao? Well, exactly, exactly. Um, I wanted to tell I wanted to try and force a joke into into the European launch today about Bilbao and baggage and hobbits, and I just couldn't find an opening. We need to find an opening at some point during the season for that. Anyway, I digress. Um, and so they're in Newcastle, and then the World Cup, Newcastle, all the games at Newcastle you were the ones. Bag.
4: <laughs> or bill Bag,
1: Bill Bag, Bill Bag. Oh, anyway, um, Bill's they sold their tickets out quicker than anybody else. So there is an appetite for rugby in Newcastle. Do you think if Newcastle, we can't really see them finishing top, but if they finish top six, okay, European rugby. Do you see then a, a really serious swing towards Newcastle as an area, the North East, really embracing the Newcastle Falcons? They've always embraced club rugby, smaller clubs, but really getting behind the Newcastle Falcons.
4: Uh, you'd hope so. It is such a passionate football area. Having grown up there, myself, uh, grown up in a passionate football area myself in Liverpool, I know how difficult a nut that is to crack. But you haven't just got Newcastle as, as a city centre, you've got a lot of people in North Yorkshire and and um, you know, Northumbria that, that that could get attracted in, particularly that sort of farming community, which are uh, traditionally quite a big rugby audience. But Newcastle, if they're playing well, it's a place. It's a tough place, Newcastle, isn't it? You know, it's. It, it, you'd yeah. think it would. Uh, it'd be a sport that would appeal to that sort of psyche and that sort of person that, that lives up there there's, there's no reason why they, they're they not going to overtake football they're not going to become the next football but there's no reason why they can't add two, three thousand to their game yeah. every week and, and just get
1: that loyal following back so Mark Wilson gets capped on the England tour to Argentina do you think the next step for them big boost for them would be to get a player selected for England to play at Twickenham and for the locals to think this is a guy that we've yeah, produced and, and we're, we're finally being recognised, we're on the map. Yeah,
4: and, and I suppose producing it themselves is a big thing, but they had Johnny Wilkinson, who was the world's biggest star, was the world's biggest star at sport, and that wasn't enough to sort of add that many more on that. I'm sure the, the gates were bigger and, and, and things. Okay, you've just shot me down on that one, that's but, fine. I think it's I think it's more success. I yeah. think if you get continuous success and people aren't turning up thinking, "Oh, I'm not going to buy a season ticket; it's going to be another relegation battle." Well, that's a different matter.
1: Yeah, cool. The other so, the
4: other point on that as well yeah. is they develop their ground, which it needed to be done. But as soon as you develop a ground, you make the tickets more readily available. So people then don't buy season tickets because they go, well, I know there'll be a seat for that game. So I can, so that's a challenge for
1: those guys is to now get that core coming back and seeing real value in a season ticket. I think that's where the, the, the artificial pitch has really helped them. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah. made it, uh, they can use it all the time now. Brilliant stuff on Newcastle. Excellent result against Bath. Leicester they, I mean, f- for them, not a pretty win, not a, con- well, it was a convincing win, not a big margin over Harlequins, but now moving in the right direction. Huge, huge win
4: for Leicester away from home. I thought Quins were good. Um, obviously they've got that big England contingent. I thought it was a fantastic game for, a, for not being a very high scoring game. Um, it, right for the whole 80 minutes, you had no clue which way it was going to go. Big swings in momentum. Um, and a great advert for the sport. Leicester did well to come through it. I, I know there's a lot of sore bodies um, this week, uh, so it was a tough game. Physically, you could see that everything right on the on the game line. Those big collisions, um, but away from home, you know, I think Leicester will be absolutely delight, delighted to have taken points from Quinns because. You know, we've seen a couple of Quinn's performances this year already, um, and you know they they look like a, a decent side. So it's a, I think it's a big win for Leicester, particularly in the grand scheme of the fact that they'd had a dreadful start.
1: Yeah, good stuff. Saracens, you kind of you'd expect them to put in a big performance against Sale at Allianz Park. Yeah. Um, their their resources are going to be stretched, aren't they? They are picking up Sail. injury. Uh, no, for, uh, for, for Saracens.
4: Yeah, but they have mentioned Mark McCall. I think has mentioned that they will look to replace yeah. Billy with a um, injury. I yeah. uh, can't remember what it's called. Comp- dispensation. dispensation. Injury dispensation. Injury dispensation. Uh, but they will be st- stretched slightly. But they're they've got such good environment that actually whoever they come in won't be overawed by suddenly playing in the first team he'll have been training with them the the whole time even if it's some youngster that's come in they will be stretched but they are a club at the moment with the last three years in the bank that that can deal with that um but they won't want any more otherwise it it
1: does become a a big problem Um, and what, and what, what do we make of sale well i just it's
4: been a bit disappointing hasn't it you know um we, we haven't seen what we thought we might do from Sale. Uh, they now need to get back to making the A.J. Bell a, a bit of a fortress and, and they need to win their home game. So this weekend is, is massive. Otherwise, they start feeling a little bit like they're getting left behind with the Worcesters and the London Irish of the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Exeter, I mean, the, the, the hiccup... Well it's not really a hiccup, was it? Gloucester played well in the opening game of the yeah. season. But since then, Exeter are, are back to, to champion... Just once they get that ball
4: rolling and once they get on the front foot, they almost seem impossible to stop. It's not ridiculously fancy rugby. It's a very simple game plan, executed perfectly well and is a combination of brute force and some sublime skill and some really good uh, ball carriers that can make things happen as well. So uh, sometimes you worry about a team, particularly when they get their first premiership win or first big win under their, their belt that they might slip off a bit Harlequins we saw do it, Northampton have done it, Exeter look like those foundations that they've been building for the last six years are in. have put them in great stead you know, great that they didn't win the premiership with a lot of big stars so you can tell that it's the synergy of the place together um, And but to beat a Wasps side that on paper looked so threatening so convincingly um, shows that that they probably have to be favorites again
1: and Henry Slade his performance it was eye-catching wasn't it
4: yeah it was um, we've all been a bit disappointed that his career hasn't kicked on quite how we thought it would after he broke onto the the scene people were talking about him as potentially a 10 or a 12 playing for England when he's when he shifted into the 10 slot he sometimes got a little bit caught didn't quite have the reaction speed. At 13, he just looks to have a little bit more time of of that vision. Now, I know that Eddie Jones likes a 13 that's a game manager, different to a lot of coaches who like a 10 and 12. Um, He likes his 13 to control that wide space and be the eyes. Um, So potentially he's got a future, but he just needs to get that consistency. Now, a lot of his inconsistency over the last couple of years has been down to injury and other factors. So if he can make that 13 shirt his own, then you know, there's no one that you say is nailed on in that England squad, particularly with Jonathan Joseph's omission from the squad this time around that, that is nailed on. So he's got a shot.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a masterstroke to anything from, from Eddie Jones. Jonathan Joseph out, oh,
4: yeah.
1: massaging it, um, Henry Slade a little bit. Just a quick word on wasps. Literally, or just as ego? Just his ego, <laughs> just his ego. They have masseurs to actually do that. Um, were the Wasps disappointing? Are they just they, it's not quite clicking, or what? Did did they miss Cipriani at ten and Gopirth in the midfield? Um, I don't know. I was a
4: bit disappointed with them. They almost looked a little bit overawed. They had such high confidence last year. Maybe the final took it out of them. But you know, we obviously need to talk about Nathan Hughes for his his actions when um, Sam Simmons. Yeah, got, no, that was that out. was a, a wonderful <laughs> moment. But it? I think you know he's not quite playing at the same level as he was a couple of years ago in, in that marauding. They they look their best when someone punches a hole for them, Wasps, and creates that disruption in the defensive line, which then the likes of Christian Wade can can, can make the most of. And when the game's opened up, and, and at no point did the game seem to open up for them, like we've seen in the past, Exeter very good at that solid game plan. And, and um, yeah, they, they were by far and away the best team. So... Big weekend this weekend for, for Wasps that they need to just get a little bit of that fluent fluidity back
1: um, and uh, that confidence and swagger that they had last year. Just on that, you talk about Nathan Hughes and that was a great moment when um, Sam Simmons tried to tackle him, got it all wrong. Clearly it was absolutely sparko. We thought it might have been worse and, and Nathan Hughes sort of straddled his body to protect him, make sure no one else got anywhere near him. But when you look at Sam Simmons and his the first few games that he's made, um, is he a player that possibly could could step up and and, and supersede Nathan Hughes? Potentially. Now, there's a big Billy
4: Villanapola-shaped hole there at the moment, isn't there? So, yeah. uh, number eights is a position um, that you've got to look at, and Sam Simmons is someone that fits that bill at the moment. He, he gives great go-forward. Um, you know, is Nathan Hughes, you know, one of the things I've heard mentioned is, is Nathan Hughes an international eight or would he be better as a as a six? I don't know. Could they both play in this, the same team together? Um, but Sam Simmons definitely is someone that
1: needs to be in and around that squad, I think. Yeah, the two Sams are making a name for themselves. Sam Simmons and Sam Underhill. We'll see how they develop. Um, quick word on the other game. Um, Northampton Saints against London Irish. For me, I, I was worried about that game. That's the sort of game which historically... Northampton have always slipped up at that's the game where they don't get points, but they managed it though this time round. Yeah, our, I,
4: I think you know Saints from that awful first weekend, the the Leicester victory has given them that confidence that actually we're not we're not a bad team and we'll go go out and as we do these basics well, we'll come out with a victory, which is sort of how they were a, a couple of years ago, wasn't it? You know that that just do those basic things well, and we've got the power to get ourselves over the line. I think it was a really damaging result for Irish because off the back of the last couple of weeks for Saints, I think they would have looked at it and said, they've had those highs of emotion, they're coming to our place, we'll we'll ambush them uh, and we'll get our season back on track. Um, so I think it says more about a worry for Irish than a potential, I think it was just job done for Saints. Yeah. We
1: expected to win that we've done it nicely right what's next week and of course they return their first proper home game back at the Vadoseki only a crowd of what 5000 they they'd be disappointed
4: yeah
1: it is a worry isn't it and and we know um that they're moving aren't they well they're planning they're to that's the aim to, to ground share with Brentford yeah. and a new stadium somewhere near Kew. Which, that's again, all doesn't being negotiated help, doesn't you know when you, if if the people are reading are thinking, well they're not going to be here
4: next week ne- next year anyway yeah then yeah that's a but it's not it's not confirmed so get a few
1: wins i guess yeah, people people exactly. come along and uh, we'll get bums on seats. Great stuff. Loads covered there on round four. Um, our live weekend of rugby for round five kicks off up in the northeast, Newcastle against London Irish Friday night. Um, so we sent Nick Mullins to the northeast to speak to Falcon Supremo Dean Richards and his captain Mark Wilson. Here are the best bits.
3: Has, has the start exceeded your expectations? I don't know whether it has or not. I, I, you know, uh, you go into every game with the thought that you can win every game, don't you? And, um, and if the truth be known, when we came away from, from Philadelphia, we were quite disappointed with our performance. So, so in that respect, uh, you know, you've got to take each game on its own, on its own merits. And I think we are disappointed with that. Had uh, we lost the sale game, I thought we'd probably deserve to lose it. But uh, again, the strength and character of the side at this moment in time is such that they'll fight right right through to the 80th minute, and and it didn't surprise me that we won it. So, so I I probably think that you know, um, three from four, I'll take it. It's Um, not bad, is it? Two two from four, I'd have been reasonably happy with, but three from four, I'm pleased with. you know, and the fact that we're disappointed with the, the Philadelphia trip, you know, it, it shows probably where we are at the moment. And, and two away wins as well that, that, that have asked different questions of you in in the trip to Sale and then the trip to Bath last weekend. Yeah, very much so. the trip to Bath, we looked at their squad, we looked at the strength and depth that they've got in their squad. Um, the 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 mindset of the team as well and we we as a coaching team felt that they they're a little bit vulnerable so we're there for the taking the fact that we're coming back from philadelphia whereby we felt we'd had a good week and although people were expecting us to be tired from jet lags we sort of i think organized the week such that the boys were reasonably fresh and to go 19 nil well, that would probably exceeded everyone's expectations so and and then to be able to come back at the end was uh, was was ideal because it shows the strength and depth we've got in, in, in the squad. Um, yeah, and sail away. It's it's always an opportunity at sail. They they make a big play on their, their home soil, but but at the same time, you know they play a particular style which which probably suits the way that we play, and we're always difficult for them to play against. Is this the best squad you've had since you've been here? And you've been here a while now, haven't you? I mean, I t- did, time yeah. time flies, but but. Is this when you look at it, and you're working out who to play where each weekend? Is this the best you've had? Do you think? I think so. Yeah. Uh, selection becomes more and more problematic uh, as, as time goes on, and there's been more more questions asked about certain positions and getting that balance right each week. And um, so, so yeah, I think we have a, a strongest, probably the strongest squad that we've had for for a long time. And and uh, selection will get even more difficult when you consider some of the faces that are and the names that are going to come back in. Yeah, you, uh, Toby Flood, DTH van der Merwe played for the first time last weekend, Maxime yeah. Mermage, you've, you've, you've still yeah. got some stars to come Michael back Michael Young, yeah. two Wilson brothers in the front row, Carl Cooper, Sam Lockwood, uh, Petty Feneurs, I mean there's a there's a host of boys that are, will hold their hands up and, uh, and, and ask to be counted in the, in the squad and, uh, and uh, you know competition's great from that side of things. When you're building a squad, how how far ahead do you look? Was 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 this your ambition twelve months ago, to be in the position you're in now, or was it two years ago, three years ago? What kind of timescale do you work? on? You're looking two years ahead in terms of the squad and the makeup of the squad, um, and the positions that you're trying to strengthen, and um, and possibly in some cases, you know, three three years in advance. Um, the, the only difficulty we've had is as, as we came into the Premiership. The, the salary cap increased, the expectations increase, and you started chasing. Yeah. You started chasing the game, and um, and from a recruitment point of view, it becomes far more diff- difficult, especially when you have sort of, you know, we we have limited funds, and uh, and you you work to those funds. Did you find yourself being priced out of the market by other clubs? Yeah, very much so. And you, you know, we we set our targets earlier on of, of getting into that top six within three years or two years, and and um, we found it incredibly difficult when you come up and all of a sudden the salary cap increases and there's some ridiculous spending that goes on and you get these rogue clubs coming in and offering huge sums of money for players that probably at that moment in time probably aren't worth it. Were you tempted to offer that kind of money or was it simply a matter of not being able to afford it? No, we know what our budget is and we couldn't afford it and uh and you have to be quite pragmatic about it and that's when i think your recruitment has to be a little bit more in depth and detailed and the balance of the squad has the squad has to be a little bit more um uh, i think understa- understanding of, uh, of where you you need to be um you know it's also asked questions of the academy as well because we put a huge emphasis on the academy and uh and uh, and I expect them to deliver in terms of players coming through. Has that has that changed since your arrival? Did you look at the academy and think actually that needs a little bit more attention? Not really. No, I, I think uh, I think the expectations have uh, have changed, and I think uh, I think we were prone to accepting players from other academies that had failed, and uh, instead of actually looking within the region and saying let's let's maximise what we can do within the region. Um, but on the whole, I think we've got a really good academy and they produce a certain amount of players each year. And it speaks in troughs. You get a, a greater number some years and that's and, and the following year. But, but for us, if, if I can get two or three players coming through on a regular basis each year, it's, it's what it's all about. I ask this question not necessarily expecting a straightforward answer, but, but what, what's an acceptable finishing position for your boys this season? I don't know. I, I never look at that. Um, you must have a figure in your You I, must have a figure I, in well your I mind, don't. Do you know? uh, providing the players go out there and play to, the, to their ability and, and they give it their all every week, then there's so many influencing factors on that, such as you know the bounce of a ball, the referee's decision, injury situations, then you know, it'll be what it'll be. But you and, must look at your squad and think that, that might be a top six squad. Yeah. That might be a top six squad. Do you not, do you not think in those terms? Well, it, it, it might be. But again, you have to look at it in a slightly different way and be quite pragmatic about it and say, well, actually, you know, again, it does come down to the balance of a ball, the referee's decision, the injury situation. And so what will be, will be. But top six is a target. You've you've talked openly about that, haven't you? I haven't. Well, you have. You did in this interview five minutes ago. You said you had an ambition to to be in the top six within two or three years. Uh, I think from from where we were from a, a recruitment point of view, yeah. Uh, but again, a lot of things have changed, haven't they? So, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll be where we, we'll finish at the end of the year. There's 22 games in this season, and, um, and as I said, you know, it depends on what happens. Seymour's not saying you need to finish in the top six, otherwise you're not going to get your Porsche as the bonus at the end of it. I've never driven a Porsche. I wouldn't even fit in one, <laughs> would I? So, so no, probably on HGV for me. So. In, in terms of, of, of what you see on the pitch, compared to last season? Where, where, where are the obvious improvements, do you think? I think just consistency, and, uh, and I think the, the introduction of the, the players the re, that we've recruited have, have sort of upped the bar in terms of, A, the skill set, the expectations and everything. Um, you know, people like Toby, Maxime Amar, Josh Modavesi, these sort of guys have come in, and their expectations are that's you know, they, that they don't like failure, and they expect things to be done to, at a far greater level than they had probably been done before. Was it the sell to get them up here to get to get the calibre of that name up here? Um, for Toby, a little bit, yeah. For Maxime, uh, yeah, we told him that it was you know twenty three degrees, and, uh, and it was a little bit like the Sunshine Coast. And um, no, to be honest with you, it's it, people underestimate the place. It's it's absolutely stunning. The coastline is. Um, the town itself has its own own uniqueness, and or uh, well, the city has its own un- uniqueness, and and the the Georgians are just sports mad, um, and couple that with the countryside as well. It's, it's a beautiful place to live. It really is. Uh, You've got native, haven't you? You're 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 you're, you're, I've you're, gone you're retiring I've up. I'm bush. I yeah. really have. <laughs> um, but it, I think when people visit it, they understand the. The, the qualities of the area, and I think when they come here and they understand that, then it doesn't take much selling at all. Exciting times! You still, you still get out of bed with a spring in your step. You still, you still look forward to that. it. I never did that <laughs> as a player, did I? So, uh, but yeah, I love it. I, um, uh, you know, at the end of the game at the weekend, uh, that's what it's all about for us. And uh, we should never have been there in the first place. Haven't got nineteen nil up but at the same time, when you you end up and you win by just a point at the end, and. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, that's what's uh, that's what rugby is all about, isn't it? You had a big smile on your face. It's not very often I do that, is it? I, I must have been passing wind <laughs> or something. So, mm. long may it continue. Mm. All Great right, thank you. Cheers. Thanks, It's All
5: right. Thank you very much. You know, with with the signings that we brought in, um, you know, Floody coming back guys like Maxim Mermoz guys who have been in winning teams and it's a good, winning it's, it's such
3: a such a strong squad now isn't it you yeah
5: like yeah it? and and I think there's competition all over the all over the place as well um like no one's kind of set in stone at the starting so it's a real healthy kind of rivalry within the team but um also at the same time when selection doesn't go people's way it's more a case of you know go and do the job for the lads at the weekend and uh, you know we'll prepare you the best we can as as the non squad so um we're in a really good place in terms of that and you know, a lot of the thoughts is definitely you know let's go and let's keep, let's go and achieve stuff now. Let's go and you know we've had our years where we've had to you know scrap and um, consolidate and things, but you know I think that I'm well I believe that those days are behind us now. And
3: you were the hero last weekend.
5: The big headline. <sighs> far from that, that. Far from that. <laughs> far from that at all. No, no. It was a hell of a <laughs> What was it? About an inch? Was it? Uh, no, no. I, I, I think. Um, you know, the really really pleasing thing from the weekend was that we found a way to win. Um, you, you know, sail, so the Sale game was an awful game. Like, obviously, you've seen that and, you know, all the feedback we got it was it's terrible. Um, but in both of those games, we found a way to win, and that was the most important thing for us. Um, it wasn't how we would like to have done, but, um, you know, against Sale, it was our set-piece that won us a game, but against its, against Bath, it was our attack. Um, and as long as we keep backing and trying to do the stuff that we... That we train the stuff that Dave Waller tells us to do we actually deliver so uh, it's just staying disciplined to stay to that and you know at the end to try and uh, you know we know from a couple of yards out that we that we're pretty prolific there so it was more of a forwards trial than anything yeah. <laughs> so they've got to take the credit um, but yeah you know to win down the record after what was it uh, eight nine years you know it's, it was you know a real a real good achievement for us I can't remember the last time I saw Dino smile he was almost laughing. It's not often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. That's what you did to him. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 it was, it was good. I think the the really pleasing thing was like after the game, there was no kind of whooping and hollering. It wasn't a party atmosphere. You know, we got the plane back, um, you know, straight away afterwards. And I was, I was lucky to sit at the back and I looked down the plane and it, there was no, none of that kind of party atmosphere and, you know, big celebrations. It was more like a happy bunch of lads that had known that they'd had to scrap for a win. Um, we have got five points and we're on to the next one. You know, the the talk was already about Irish this weekend. Um, you know, how it gives us an opportunity to go and, and and you know deliver again. But you know that that's that's you know the happy place that we are in terms of uh, in terms of a group of individuals. You know, we want to we want to go and succeed even more. We're not happy just resting on you know what was it that weekend.
3: You'll have your own personal ambitions, but as a team, uh, what what's what's achievable this year? Is is top six achievable? Is is Champions Cup qualification next year achievement?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's absolutely no reason why why we can't go and do that. You know, that's the when Dean first came in here, um, that was his big goal that he wanted to get in Heineken Cup rugby. So everyone believes that around the place, everyone that you speak to. If you spoke to any of the lads here now, they'd say the same thing. Um, so it's nice that we're all on the same page. We know we don't want to get carried away. We've had a good start. It's you know, it's really good that we we have started doing it in the Way in the manner that we have. But we've we've still got a long way to go, and we've still got a lot of things to work on. I think that you know, putting a positive spin on it, we've been at 75% so far. I think, um, if that, um, you know, we've had real glimpses of real good rugby, but glimpses of real poor stuff as well. So the fact that we've got three wins out of four, you know, just shows that if we can, you know, put in an, I know it sounds the old cliche, put in an old you know the full 80 minute performance, or if we can perform. You know, like we have in those patches for longer periods, then you know we're gonna we're gonna keep on picking up wins. Um, but like I said, it's it's more a case of not getting too carried away and, and just you know sticking to the processes and of what of what it is for us to perform. Yeah, well, it's been great watching you this season. Mm-hmm. I wish you uh, wish you all the best. Perfect. Continued success. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you.
1: So a reminder then our first live game of the weekend Newcastle Falcons against London Irish Join us from 7 o'clock Our guest will be Don Waldock And we will be on BT Sport 2 and 4K UHD Well we've heard a great deal f- about and from Newcastle Now let's get the view of London Irish Director of Rugby Nick Kennedy and attack coach Paul Hodgson Here are the best bits of their chat with Alistair Eakin
6: How are you finding it? Because it's a, it's a, it's a new environment in as much as It's an old environment but you're in a different position Nick How are you finding it?
1: Um,
2: it's been good. It's been good so far. We had a good start. Been on the wrong end of a, of a few results since then. But in terms of the boys have been excellent. They've brought huge energy to, to every training session, every game. Um, a real intensity and, and work ethic, which has been uh, which has been great to watch. We know we've got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, we, we were very disappointed with a, with a couple of our, our games, and uh, we need to get better quicker. But. Um, you know that the guys are in today, looking at all the videos after a disappointing result yesterday, and uh, they're going to keep keep working their way up and up and out of it.
6: And Paul, how has it changed for you this league in the short time that he have been away? Because it does move on pretty quick,
7: doesn't it? It certainly has, and uh, it's a noticeable up from that one year that we've been out. Um, from the player quality to the way they're playing the game, uh, from the different sort of areas within the game, set piece, attack, defence it's all been uplifting a fair bit but like we did after Harlequin's game on, on round one we concentrating on ourselves we're making that real big focus so always having our standards that if we're not happy at we'll let the boys know but in despite of a loss um, it might be good things to bring out of the performance so we'll compare ourselves all the time to ourselves so that's what we're worrying about most
6: and obviously you've got this amazing chemistry and the history behind you for playing for this club for so long together the the blood Really runs London Irish, doesn't it? For all for all of you in the coaching staff, how is that dynamic playing itself out under the really toughest of scrutinies? I suppose.
2: Um. Yes, look, it's, I think the the coaching dynamic is, is key wherever you go, and it's important that you have that synergy, and that you get on well, and you're not arguing for my defence time or my attack time. You know, everyone sees the bigger picture. Um, everyone knows what we need to get better at, and, and we allocate the, the training time accordingly. And the coaches all coach together. You know, they, they've got a brilliant relationship with Paul and George and and Declan. So um, while Declan we're doing something defensive, Paul's working on on the attack. And I think. The, the way that those boys get on and how hard they work has, has been excellent.
6: How does it affect you, Paul, the way that you guys all know each other so, so well? Is it just a very easy working relationship that you don't have to think too much about?
7: Yeah, it's imperative. We spend so much time together from the, the six o'clock meeting this morning to the, the five o'clock meeting this afternoon. Um, and, and also we're able to critique each other, you know, in, in the most positive way. So. I think you could have done that practice a little bit or, you know, we might see things from a different side and, and that's what's really helpful about us four knowing each other so well but getting on so well. It's really important to have people from outside in, so obviously Charlie Hodgson, we've got Ferg with our scrum, obviously Brendan Fenter at the top, those guys who are outside of us four, that's really important because they can just see things from others but, yeah, the four of us, we spend a lot of time together and it's important that we get on well.
6: <laughs> and it obviously works and of course you have this this situation in which you, you you're trying to rebuild a club that you care about so so deeply and of course I think from the outside looking in you look at you guys who, who really live eat and breathe this club and think well it's in it's in good hands I and mean, you must you must feel like it's a passion as well as a job
2: yes definitely we we, we love the team We, you know boys have played 250 games for, for the club and you sort of uh, it means an awful lot to you but you know I've, I've seen a lot of ex players just go on and become coaches at, at their teams and you, know, you can't just rest with that, just passion is not enough, you, know, you need to constantly work at becoming better at what you do, your relationships with the players, um, watch as, as much rugby as possible and, and learn from those guys above, you know, your Brendan Venters, Kevin Barron comes in, try and learn as much as possible so, so we can be as good as we can be.
6: How much time does Brendan Venter spend here and how much time do you spend bouncing ideas off him?
2: So Brendan comes over once a month and spend a lot of time bouncing ideas around. He's always on the phone. He's, um, he's brilliant. You know, he's, he's put our sort of our game in place and he's like a, the, the Yoda of rugby for me. He's just got so much experience and he brings real energy and intensity around the place too when he is here.
6: How would you describe Nick's management style?
7: Oh, he's, he's a very positive man. He's very hard working. Um, I think what was noticeable when we started with the academy all oh, four years ago he can make a decision very quickly as well, which is key in in a role like that. So from upward management to that rapport with every player, you know. and if you want a player to go out on that pitch and uh, put his body on the line, essentially, you've got to have those relationships with the players and there's no one better at the club than our our director, Robbie
6: tell me a little bit about the body language because you've been putting a degree of em- uh, emphasis on that I understand from from your whatsapp coaching group and this kind of thing I was reading the body language is important to you
2: yes definitely I think um, you know when you try and get a team's energy up the body language is, is crucial um, actually dropped off a little bit on on the weekend which which wasn't great but um, yeah something we, we, we try and read a bit about as study in in uh, the NBA to do with like bum taps and congratulations and things like that and they think you get an extra two wins a season um, with, with, with increased sort of physical touching and praise, which is quite interesting. But um, yeah, we'll, we, we send all sorts of studies around on our on our WhatsApp group at Dex. Latest one was about testosterone levels and pregame testosterone levels and things like that. So again, we always ask the players to improve. Every week, get better, get better. And the coaches are exactly the same.
6: You knew the, the power of the bunter. <laughs>
7: exactly, yeah.
6: <laughs> is there an element of basing what you're growing here on the way Brendan Fenter built the Saracens unit. How much are you drawing on, on that as a, as a as an idea, as a, as a means of building?
7: I think with, with Brendan, he's um, he evolves all the time as well. So he, that's what I find most impressive, what was right for maybe Saracens. Because Saracens have evolved from when he was uh, in charge there. So he's able to see the game in its current form and, and see what's best. but. Yeah, as, as Nick said, there's there's plenty of things that we took from that base level and we made a conscious effort 16 months ago when we started out in the Champ. That That's where we would start from and it was getting the fundamentals, it was getting the basics right and that's what uh, helped us with our run last year, finals etc. And uh, that's what we've kept for this year.
6: Uh, and Nick, what about the, the way... This job and the the nature of it imposes on your on your existence on your life. Does it keep you up at night? Do you have do you have sleepless nights? Do you spend a lot of time worrying? And amongst the, the practicalities of getting it all done,
2: yes. <laughs> uh, uh, you know it's because it's your passion as, as well as your job. You, you think about it an awful lot. Um, yeah, lo- losing hair, getting grey hairs, and um, but you know I think. All the coaches are exactly the same. You know, We're all, we're all desperate to, to succeed and, and do well and put performances out there and do everything we can to help the players improve. So it is, it is non-stop and uh, you wouldn't
1: have it any other way. Ben, what do we make of, of London Irish? We know that it's always going to be difficult for a team coming up from the Championship. They had that great opening day against Harlequins at, at Twickenham. Uh, but since then... Reality has bitten pretty hard, hasn't it?
4: It has. It's a worry for them because they can't afford to to get stranded from the pack. Um, they'll be delighted that Worcester are below them at the moment, but the sort of season we're having, you think Worcester might pick up some points somewhere. So they just, having looked so good in the opening game against Harlequins, who, yeah, you could say were a bit rusty beginning of the season and, and that was your opportunity to stun someone. They haven't looked of the same quality and had that same belief that they managed to give themselves going into that Harlequins game you know they probably would be looking to this weekend pre-season as well that's a big big one to go and win against our fellow strugglers and Newcastle are absolutely flying so perhaps they have to phrase it slightly differently that Newcastle are probably worrying about other things they just see uh, London Irish as that speed bump to get over and we have to go out there and shock them and um you know, they've, they've, they've got some pace in that team. They've got some good players in that team on that surface. They just need to get that consistency of performance and intensity back. The Premiership intensity, which is different to the Championship intensity.
1: The coaching team is a very young team. They know each other very well. They're very, very good mates. And by all accounts, the spirit down at London Irish is very, very good indeed. They're going to need something more than just big physical contact and bum taps. They're going to need points. Um, And they're targeting picking up as many bonus points as possible. they got a bonus point in that win over Harlequins, but since then, they've been leaking tries. And so that, if if you're going to give away, on average, five tries a game, then losing bonus points are out of the window. You've got to score tries. Can they do that? Yes, by having a free-flowing game. But usually when
4: you're the underdog at the bottom of the table, you, you think of, well, if we make it an arm wrestle, we can sneak a few games, yeah, you know, there'll be games that go our way rather than the opposition's. You know, it's very difficult to go into a game I mean they're not they're going into games thinking we're gonna win this game, but it's very difficult to go in with that let's throw it about, let the opposition score to shed load and then we'll try and score for ourselves. It's it almost seems like a wrong way to think about playing in a league, doesn't it? So I I think it's quite difficult to come to terms with that mentally. Maybe it's enjoyable playing fast open rugby, but it's not enjoyable getting stuffed and that would have a bigger psychological effect on you. So they need to get that balance right, keep plugging away, get their defence right, stop being so leaky. But then they need to... if If you think about all the successful teams at the moment, it's that controller tempo, playing a really structured game, the likes of Exeter... Even the All Blacks, the All Blacks kick more than anyone else in international rugby, or particularly of those top teams. But when they get their opportunity to go up through the gears, they do it better than anyone else, and that's where they need to they need to be accurate. They can't leave any opportunities out on the field that drop passes or whatever um, after a little break. They can't panic. So it's tough when you've got that young sort of coaching staff to 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 put that in in place, but. They will get some points. It's a topsy-turvy league, as we said. They will get some points, but they just need a little bit of control in there, I think.
1: And Nick Kennedy's saying that they, they identify one problem, they put that right, another problem rears its ugly head. They've got to learn very, very fast because before they know it, they'll be halfway through the season, and then it's a, it's a real dogfight to try and salvage. Yeah,
4: because you're still at that point where... You think, well, the 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 wins will come, but it's when you see those teams disappearing from above you, and it's a straight shootout one on one with someone else at the bottom that, obviously at the moment is Worcester, but everyone else is close enough to them that they'll feel they can get other points. But as soon as that group disappears from you, you then it becomes very difficult to pick up those bonus points playing attacking rugby because everything's about. God, we can't lose again, or we, we've got to find some points from somewhere, and that's when your performance gets inhibited a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy at the moment. The lick at the table: a five-point win for them with a few favourable results yeah. puts them sort of mid-table. Yeah, absolutely, and suddenly life is, yeah, is a so lot. The more alarm bells aren't ringing yet. Not quite yet, but they're just being. They're but the being other up, they're you, you mentioned
4: that you mentioned before about the the crowd. It's difficult, that not it? If you're playing in a, a, a full a big stadium with little people. You don't get that benefit of home advantage because few of the, people, because not of little the crowd. people, little not people, little people, little tiny
1: people, anyone under four foot six. They're, they're little, the they new, are little people, so they're little people. <laughs> um,
4: but if, 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 it's, if it's an echoey stadium, you don't generate your own atmosphere at home, which is which makes it very difficult.
1: Yeah, good stuff. Well, we'll see how they get on. Just a reminder again, they 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 kick things off against Newcastle Falcons up at Kingston Park. That is our live game on Friday. Now, um, we're going to have a look ahead to the Round 5 matches. If you fancy yourself as a bit of a pundit, you can play along with the new BT Sport Predictor game for free, where you can guess the scores from each weekend's Aviva Premiership matches. I think you can also do the Premier League and the Scottish Premiership as well. For more details and full terms and conditions, go to btsport.com forward slash predictor. Ben, let's look ahead. Um, Worcester, welcome Saracens to Six Ways. That is a tough one for them. It is. Um, I think I said on Friday night before
4: the gloucester Worcester game that they almost needed that victory because they've got some tough ones coming up and, and danger of getting lost from the pack a little bit. Um, they've obviously got Saracens at their place, but then they're away at Bath, which is tough. I, I'm really worried about Worcester at the moment. The only thing is the way they finished the game last week will give them a bit of um, confidence going into it. They need to get... Francois hard back to, to give them a bit of zip. At times, I thought um, Stringer slowed them down a bit last last week. They need to be playing at that sort of challenging pace because I think they just look a little bit comfortable at the moment. So I can't see that going any way apart from a Saracens win. But as I said, it's been a very strange, strange season.
1: season. That would be a result if, if Worcester can down Saracens at six ways. Um, Sale against Gloucester, early part of the season, Steve Diamond saying he wants the AJ Bell to be a, a fortress up against the Gloucester team that doesn't like winning on the road. So, is this all about sale?
4: Um, well, yeah, because if they don't, then what Steve Diamond was saying is, you know, it's out the window. They they can't then regather that. You know, they lost a game. They should have. They'll think they should have won against Newcastle uh, at the AJ Bell, and then you know they they've got to start getting some victories at, at their place um and 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 make it that fortress but gloucester will fancy it gloucester will think yeah, we can go up there and 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 win at the aj bell so it's a tough it's a really tough one to call and it sort of depend sale almost look a bit reactive at the moment they're reacting to what other people do and hoping that it's enough sale need to go out minute one and set the agenda
1: yeah and, it, and Gloucester's need to, you, you wonder how long it will take for Johan Ackerman's messages to sink through and become part of their, their psyche and they just react but they're, the way They're, they're, they're
4: also a team slightly in transition from the style of play because he is giving them a license to play a bit more. You mentioned before about the amount of time the ball's in play. Well, Gloucester is a team that have always had decent backs, but they are attacking a lot more from a lot
1: further back than they have done pre Ackerman. Yeah. They are good to watch. When they cut loose, Gloucester, they are good to watch. Then Saturday, two games on Saturday, we will be at Welford Road for Leicester against Exeter, 2.30 on BT Sport 2 4K UHD. Our guest there is Toby Flood. He's not quite ready yet to play for his return to Newcastle Falcons. For Leicester, if they can back up that win away to Quinns with a win against Exeter, they are firmly back in the hunt.
4: Yes, it would be huge, but it's a a big ask, isn't it, with the way Exeter are playing at the moment. Exeter will have no fear of going to Welford Road, which is quite a strange thing to say because, you know, in the past it's been such a fortress for Leicester, but Exeter thrashed Leicester at Welford Road last year. Uh, Been really interesting. I've I've been in Leicester a little bit this week, and Matt O'Connor, Every time he speaks, says the champions of England are coming to Welford Road. And he is reinforcing that message that he thinks that the players should be seeing that as a challenge, that actually they've got the title that Leicester, you know, Lester used to won. be Leicester were the champions of England, that thing. So I expect to see some fireworks because the way Exeter play is right on the game line and very physical and you'd expect if you're going to stop that, you have to stop them at source with set piece. But when they have the ball, you have to be winning
1: the collisions. Yeah. Well, it'd be a statement for Leicester, but for Exeter to win at Road again—that would be big, huge for big them. Game, big game. Yeah. Um, Saints against Quins. Northampton—they've recovered well from the Open Day horror show, but this will be a real test for them, just to see exactly how strong their game is, and also for Quins. Well,
4: it's it's another oh, a real really deal. intriguing game because. Saints, we, we said earlier that actually the Irish game could have been one where they took their foot off the accelerator. Actually, everything's going great. We fixed all our problems, and bang, you get hit with a with a sucker punch. Quins uh, will be hurting from last week, and Quins are a, a, a good side despite losing a couple of games already. The you know the likes of Danny Care, Mike Brown, uh, they have that driven mentality, and they will be. They will be so up for this game that again it's got it's got the chance to, to really shine out as a fixture. Um, I think
1: Northampton will just have the psychological edge, um, but it's too difficult a one to call. Well one thing I wanted to, to, to ask, I forgot to mention it, is you've got the England guys away on a camp at the moment with Eddie James. Yeah, in Oxford. I've forgotten about how that. yeah. Does that change things? The fact they haven't Well, one, they haven't trained yeah, with their club, but train. also they would have kind of started to get a feeling of what the pecking order is, I guess, within that England camp. So that's going to change the dynamic. Yeah, there, I'm
4: not I? sure, because even if you don't feel that you're where you should be, you then go back to... And Eddie Jones is great, great one for making sure that no one thinks they're going to be picked when they actually are. Um, but I think more the case of how do they, the first week they've been away deal with not training the whole week with their club because you wouldn't the the average person wouldn't believe the detail that is gone into by clubs these days you know that every little thing is analyzed and and um worked on now if you're away with england even if you're logging into your club's it system so you can watch all the training doing everything rigorously and making sure you know what what you're doing at the weekend you still will be doing being distracted by England stuff um, and just that training time together. The boys will be back. They'll basically have one proper training session uh, tomorrow, most of them,
1: and then into the game. Game time. We wrap things up on Sunday. Two teams that will be absolutely hurting from round four. Wasps against Bath, 2.30 with us on BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD. Both teams need to put in a reaction. Todd Blackadder, the, um, the Bath Director of Rugby, He's usually pretty placid guy. When you hear him getting angry, you know that he's, his players have let him down.
4: Yeah. I, I think uh, changes in emotions from going 19 points down, which he would have been fuming about, to then actually doing all the hard work of getting yourself into a decent, what seemed like unassainable lead and then to throw it away. that That's what... You know, if you if you just get thrashed from minute one, it's probably slightly easier to take. But but when you've actually done the hard work and still come away with nothing, that that hurts. But it's tough for them going up to the Rico, particularly with wasps having been stung as well. Oh, little pun oh there. I genuinely, didn't, so mean that I genuinely <laughs> didn't mean that one. I genuinely didn't mean that one. Oh, beautiful, well, just, just happened. Um, Cherish those moments. <laughs> But what fascinates me is that people were quite critical of Christian Wade not being able to do anything last week. Uh, the Chiefs sat on him and he, he, he couldn't get... So he's going to be itching for a decent performance up against Rocco, who has been on fire this this
1: uh, year. So the, the battle of the two finishers will be uh, pretty interesting to see. Great stuff. Fantastic. So three live games for you on BT Sport. Newcastle, London, Irish on the Friday night. Join us from 7 o'clock for that one. Then we've got Leicester against Exeter, 2.30 on Saturday. And as we've just said, Wasps against Bath, 2.30 on Sunday. Uh, Ben, wonderful stuff. Loving your work. That was great fun. A big thank you to Market Harbour Rugby Club for letting us uh, have their facility and, and get involved down here. Thank you for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. Join us next week when Ben and myself will be back in the studio with Ugo Monia and a certain Danny Cipriani for Rugby Tonight. Remember, the pod will be out every Thursday morning, so make sure you subscribe to get it delivered straight to your device. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating. In fact, draw a few extra stars on the end of the five-star rating. Give us an eight-star rating because I think we deserve it. Uh, And a review on iTunes. We'll see you next week. Ben, say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.